Welcome to Design Thinking Games, a gaming and user experience podcast. Card-carrying UXers Tim Broadwater and Michael Schofield examine the player experience of board games, pen and paper role-playing games, live action games, and video games. Play through the backlog on your podcatcher of choice and on the web at designthinkinggames.com. We are talking about um, a history behind a certain type of subgenre of game, um, which is roguelike games. Um, I know that um, I've played a handful of them before that we've talked about. Like, um, have you played any of these games or are familiar with the genre? Yeah, I'm familiar with the genre a little bit. So roguelikes are not my cup of tea. Um, the Binding of Isaac is famous but i've never played it so the ones that i've played are like um i i think the biggest one the big the, the most famous roguelike that i've played through is this um this is an older game that came out i think uh 2010s potentially earlier but i think the early 2010s called uh faster than light or ftl um but i play a lot of games that are i don't know how we'd phrase it roguelike like there are certain things like around like permadeath and reorientation and, and, and things like that that are core parts of roguelike and i've played a lot of games like that mm-hmm. that's one of the things that i think is interesting about when we were talking about it the definition for roguelike games are kind of all over the place and um we were looking a little bit kind of in the history of them and, you know, we are kind of throwing back 42 years at this point, like looking at the 1980s, right? And, um, you know, the term roguelike, to my understanding of it, um, was kind of a, a term that's taken from a type of game. And the, some of the games at that time were like Hack, Moria, Angband, and rogue and so the term rogue or roguelike specifically comes from the 1980 games um rogue and that is uh it's a i don't know rocking the commodore 64 or the atari <laughs> that's, that's pretty early yeah <laughs> yeah i um and the game itself is called rogue and it's it came out by um epics um i'm not sure are you familiar with the game I'm not. All of this stuff came out before me, Tim. <laughs> like before I even existed. Oh, that's right. How how old are you? I yeah, I, I'm 36, so I'm 1985. So the games that you oh, know, I'm 77. So, <laughs> so so yeah. So I started playing like in let's let's call it like the like 1990. Like at five is when I think those good video game memories really sit like start taking root and go on so you know a lot of these early games definitely influenced in television or atari 100 so i well i had i i had an atari but my first real you know you know hundreds of hours gaming system was you know the original nintendo and then from that i went to genesis i think and so my history kind of like uh kind of like falls under those pipelines but i had an early pc and there's there's some category where like games like diablo is 
roguelike or roguelike like right and so i feel that like my my deepest experience in this style of genre although i've played several um is more in experiencing the games that are inspired from it like the second generation or third generation of um games that came out of this kind of like original design uh in the early to mid 80s yeah so there's a whole it's interesting yeah so um so let me describe it for you a little bit um there are a lot of pc games and i think we've been kind of talking about this on twitter a little bit um because um, if you think of your kind of story-based text games, right, like King's Quest or Space Quest or um, uh, games that are kind of from Canon Roberta Williams, which, you know, are kind of text games and you would, they worked on computers and you could um, type in like open chest, hit enter and it open stuff. And then you could type in, look around and it'll kind of give you some description so that's even like 19 that's mid 80s right um so like kind of when you were born and if you kind of roll back a little bit before that rogue is like one of the first computer games um like i said for commodore 64 or kind of atari and to describe what it looks like it is literally a screen that is made up of ace ascii characters so like you know via yeah yeah american uh standard code for information interchange so it's it's kind of like the ascii art or ascii if i'm saying that correctly and so the the map that you are exploring like in the dungeon literally is made up of hashtags and hyphens and ampersands and symbols and so you um at the bottom there's some text that tells you your level how much gold you have your hit points you know experience things like that but you literally are just moving around and as you're moving around the um the environment that is made from hyphens and and uh different character symbols is being generated so procedurally generated or um and that's kind of rogue um and it also came out on the tandy i believe as well so um, but it is a 1980 game, and the term roguelike comes from that game itself, Rogue 1980 Epics. Um, but to your point, like when you say roguelike like games, there are, um, when people talk about, you know, roguelike, I think there's general characteristics, but it's really vague, right? Permadeath, like you mentioned, is one of them, but randomly generated levels or creatures or maps, right? Um, and so I think, um, I also think that kind of resource management is a piece of it as well. Um, so I, I really think my mind goes more so, and I, I think this is probably what it is to most people, is that you go to randomly generated maps and, and monsters. And the restart or permadeath is something as well. And you kind of have to um, proceed with caution because you have to start over, you know, if you die or, or fail. Yeah, because I, I guess like for me, like I, the, you know, the biggest takeaway of like the roguelike like uh, aspect is um, the permadeath. You know, this is something where um, 
I, I feel like the idea that you have a character who can accrue resources, there's a deep resources management um, uh, aspect to it, but then when you die, it's gone. All of your stuff is gone. Um, and there's certain, you know, there, there's certain cool ways where you might be able to go and get it back. Um, however, it's that um, it's, it's that sense of mortality, like uh, and and f- kind of like finiteness. That's not right. Um, no, I know, I know what you mean. You know, that that you don't. You know, saving your saving your games and you know game over uh, and these kind of like things that you know as games get increasingly more forgiving, um, because mm-hmm. as as we kind of explore, you know what you know you know the many different toggles and switches of the the capital T the player experience, you know, some people don't want the sense of. Um, like mortal anxiety to be a part of their game. But that's the biggest takeaway from me. And I think if I think about it, the games that I have played are probably randomly generated. I know there's like a fine line of debate um, that, you know, purists will say like the the random generation is the roguelike part. Maybe more, you know, like, but there's a, there's kind of like a, a scale, uh, I, I would agree. I think people say, oh, it's a roguelike game, or that's a roguelike game, or it's a roguelike game. And then with you have mashups of multiple genres. I'm not a fan of roguelike, game, roguelike games. I've played just a handful of them. However, when that genre is meshed up with other genres, you know, I, I, I think it becomes really exciting. Design Thinking Games is a proud affiliate of Hunt a Killer. Enter the world of Hunt a Killer in their newest murder mystery season, Mallory Rock. This realistic murder mystery game delivers high quality, handcrafted evidence that brings a fictional case to life. Can you solve a mystery with Hunt a Killer? Go to designthinkinggames.com slash huntakiller or click on the banner at the bottom of our website. I know that we've recently talked a lot about Hades. Hades was nominated for a lot of awards. It is roguelike, meaning that... So basically, you are the son of Hades, and you kind of find out that your dad kind of slept with Persephone, and you're, but Persephone is no longer in Hades anymore, or, or in hell. And so you're trying to escape Hades, um, or hell, to kind of find reach your mom and just kind of find out what's going on. And... Uh, Every time you die, and it doesn't matter if you are in Tartarus or you're in Elysium or like whatever part, like you're trying to get out, of, you know, of the underworld, uh, you have to start over. However, like I think one of the things that we see a lot in modern like roguelike games is that you get you can buy things or purchase things or advance outside of the run, quote unquote, the run, meaning the 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 one attempt you get and so that's interesting that sorry a quick interjection so that's that's a a modern roguelike thing right that's like or is that a convention that goes way back 
Yeah, so um, so with Binding of Isaac, you know, which is really actually a very sad story, <laughs> you know, if you've played the game, um, you're kind of thrown into, you have to kind of attack to get away from your abusive mother and you're thrown into the basement and you're trying to escape the basement and you're just, to do that, you have to kind of go through different levels of the basement to escape. Every time you restart, you restart, right? Um, however... With games like um, Hades, you can like unlock or purchase things outside of the run. So you're you, at some point, let's say with Hades, you know you can buy things that are permanent, or you can find things that are permanent, and then that will help you with the run. But essentially, every time you start a run, you're like got no cash, you've got a set amount of life, and you, and that's it. Um, but you can over time kind of grinding or just kind of doing runs, you can't accrue things or you'll run into like stores and buy stuff. And you can also increase your health, you can unlock new weapons, you can unlock abilities that you can kind of like, you have like objects or artifacts that you can, before you set out on a quote unquote run, you can equip that will help you in some way. And so there are ways to kind of, you know, I think maybe what you're saying is like modern roguelike games, there are ways that make it a little bit easier, but it's still the the roguelike to where permadeath or reset and every map, every level, every monster, everything's kind of procedurally generated or randomly generated. So what is the game you're talking about? The one that I've like played through all the um, like all the way through that I spent quite a long time in. Um, I just had to look it up because I thought it was like 2010s and I was right. It was about like 2012, 2013. Um, there's basically like this kind of like um, science fiction, like ship based combat game called FTL, like faster than light. Um, and the idea, I mean, the, the conceit is, um, is, is basically that you um, are you are the ship and you know you have like a small crew and your goal is to um i think like reconnect with like the federation which is several jumps like or waypoints like away from where you are um and like as you it's it's a reason it's a hardcore hardcore question mark i i guess uh I guess now as I experience some like truly hardcore resource management games, I have to like question this, but like um, it's a resource management game in that basically like as you navigate through space, um, you burn fuel, you burn these things called like beacons, um, you encounter hostile forces um, and you have to navigate your way through successful um, completion of objectives, of course, gives you more resources with which to do things, how you assemble your crew, you know, it's, it is whatever. The number of the, the, the route you must take to re kind of join the Federation is random. Um, and the opponents that you encounter along the way are random and there's no restart, right? So like in the, in the event that your ship is defeated or destroyed or you run out of resources and you drift into the emptiness of space so every track is completely random and different yeah and and as i think about it that that resource management may be more the per, more than the permadeath for ftl because i didn't really like encounter like i don't identify with an individual in like this particular game like it is the ship right my goal is 
uh, like I am, I contain multitudes, but like what I really like about this kind of style of game, which I think does appeal to those who like resource management, and I do, is, is that. Now what sucks is that you can have like a, you can start with a couple of like unfortunately lucky or unlucky like jumps early in the game and you're you're pretty fucked um unless you're incredibly clever and are able to like overcome kind of like the big constraints or the foes that you encounter um but yeah so it's mm-hmm. just this kind of like nice little like ftl game and there is uh or, or sorry a space combat space faring game and it appeals to my science fic my 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 enjoyment of science fiction and it has like a concise narrative um so that you can i don't know you you the the story you tell is your own as you go which might be another factor of like mm-hmm. what roguelike may, uh, means right because i guess the with the idea of like random map generation there's only so much controlled narrative that the game designer can infuse the game with and so mm-hmm. Uh, this kind of dovetails maybe a little bit with like our last episode in which we're talking about journaling RPGs and, and things of that sort where the story emerges from the play as opposed to, you know, you experiencing a story. A well-designed war game is hard to make, but if you've listened to the show for any length of time, you know we stand Hell Let Loose, this realistic, immersive World War II shooter that not only requires that you play well, but that your squad plays well together. And well with other squads. There's no HUD, there are no scopes, one shot, and you're down if you can't fortify, flank, and suppress as a team, you lose. And because of that, in my opinion, Hell at Loose deserves many game awards. If that rings true and you want to help the show, consider downloading it through Gamersgate. No, not that Gamersgate. The Gamersgate that came before the controversy that hijacked the name. Gamersgate is the world's largest online store for PC and Mac games, more than 4,500 of them. And if you download Hell Let Loose or another game through designthinkinggames.com slash gamersgate, it'll help us keep the lights on. I'll see you on the beach. So talking about like how like um, roguelike has kind of different meanings to different people, but the style has things that are like reset or permadeath and then procedurally or randomly generated and then resource management. I think what we see a lot of is what excites me is kind of like that genre when it's attached or combined with another genre. Um, And so I don't know if you've ever heard of the game Crypt of the Necrodancer. Have you? No, but that is that sounds like an old school D&D module. I'm looking it up now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it does sound like what is the the 
Tomb of Horrors, the very first Gygax, yeah, like yeah. Dungeons and Dragons kind of thing. <laughs> I mean, it definitely has that feel like, oh, yeah, Crypt of the Necrodancer. Wow. Um, so essentially it is, um, uh, you're familiar with roguelike games. Um, there are also, I don't know if you're like a lot of um, rhythm games, which are like. Oh, I do. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So there's like Bit Trip Runner and Bit Beat Runner, and you know, and then there's Guitar Hero and yeah, a lot of other yeah. things to where it's a rhythm-based kind of game. Hundred percent. But uh, there, so they basically combined Crypt of the Necrodancer combines a roguelike kind of procedurally generated dungeons and monsters with a rhythm game, and so essentially, I would highly recommend it. Like it's it's super cheap and it's an indie game and. But you can only move, or like, um, you not only move, but you want to move and on the beat. And so it becomes very strategic to where you are going, like, left, left. And then as a monster comes up, you have to dodge them and you have to attack them on the beat. Oh, that's dope. And then move away. And even as you, like, dig through the tunnels or uncover chests or, like, unlock different things, you literally are doing it through, um, rhythm and there are parts to where the music speed and tempo increases to where you have to move faster or maybe you get hit by a monster and it slows you down um, but the longer you stay on beat you know the more of a damage kind of buff you get oh you that's cool kind of yeah it has a lot of really cool mechanics and um and i think there's even um I think there are spinoff games of it, but the thing that I like about it is, is like when you go down into the tomb and you, let's say you fail, if you come back and you did have some gold and you did have some diamonds or stuff, there is like a town that you can kind of buy like a better shield in or a better weapon or like a better, more health or whatever. And so then when you go in your next kind of run or dungeon crawl, um, it actually, like I was saying with Hades, like you can kind of give yourself buffs and equipment and stuff outside of the roguelike procedurally generated dungeon, which is increases your chance of being successful as well as, you know, um, enjoying kind of your, the gameplay a little bit more. Yeah, that sounds like a blast. I believe that Crypt of Necrodancer has like, yes, they had, they partnered with Nintendo at some point and Zelda, and they actually came out with Cadence of Hyrule. And so Cadence of Hyrule is literally like a Zelda game, but it is the same mechanics where you can only move and attack and fight bosses in rhythm and move around. Same kind of tempo, increase, yeah. decrease, or whatever. And the character from... Crypt of the Necrodancer teams up with Link and Zelda in it. And so oh um, I actually I think her name is Cadence. I apologize for that. Yeah, her name is Cadence. And I, I think um, um, she which is kind of interesting for the rhythm thing. Yeah, yeah. But um, she Cadence joins Link and and Zelda in the Cadence of Hyrule. So it's definitely worth checking out. It's super fun and it's also kind of challenging. What makes it like so 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 how does like the roguelike part 
like uh, really like complement the rhythm based part. I'm um, generally like like w as long as you enjoy the loop, that is the 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 aspect of the repeatable gameplay, right? Or the run. Yeah, there we go. Um, that roguelikes are replayable, like in, like almost imminently, because like the the levels are one hundred percent. Yeah, one hundred percent. I think there's this old, the cool, the thing that I think with roguelike games that are the appeal is, you know, when I am playing a Mario game or a Zelda game or whatever game, I know that when I get to this point in the 3D map, there's a guy hiding behind this crate. Or if I do yeah. three jumps and a and an extended jump on the side-scrolling game, I know the monsters that are on the screen. So you can kind of, to some degree, memorize it. And that's kind of the appeal and the difficulty of Cuphead, right? Because Cuphead is is just like, it's you have to play it perfect and, and it's memorization. Cuphead's appeal is that you can memorize and you just have to get it perfect. It's a perfect run, right? That is completely off the table with a roguelike game because right. In a game that is like Crypt of the Necrodancer, it's every level's different. Every map is different. Every the the monsters that populate it are different. Now you can think like, oh, when I encounter this type of snake, I have to block then attack. Or when I encounter this, you know, kind of skeletal knight, I have to go around him and attack him from the back. I mean, you can think about how to deal with specific enemies, mm -hmm. right? And you can think about like, okay, I encounter this type of wall, I can dig through it, where this is like something that requires a bomb, but everything is random. And so uh, the skill is not in the memorization of the board and the jumping. So, like when you see like the the people who ble beat Super Mario Brothers 3 in like under two minutes because exactly. they can just, they, they just epically it. run because they memorize it. Yeah. This is, I think the appeal for roguelike games is that it is random every single time in every way. Yeah. And so it really comes down to like, well, what is... What are you testing? Are you testing memorization or can you deal with problems on the fly um, that are generated for you? And and every run or loop or whatever you want to call it, um, you know, challenges you and you may not you may suck really bad and not even get past the second level. Or maybe you maybe one time you do so great you get to you can beat the game, you know, or get through all the levels or the boss fights. So. I think that's the appeal, but with Crypt of Necrodancer, like the fact that it's put to music, it makes it just make you do it quicker and makes you do it on beat and makes it a little bit more enjoyable. Yeah, I feel like like the uh, the um, there's something like really appealing to like uh, um, the the potential of like a like aggressive guitar hero and like fighting enemies and it, like I love the idea. I I'm, I might see if I can find this on Steam because I love the idea. I love the idea of attacking on rhythm. There are games like Assassin's Creed, which are, you know, without music, rhythm-based combat or something like that. But something like this seems like just incredibly fun and um, and nostalgic. Design Thinking Games is an affiliate of Space Engineers. Space Engineers is a sandbox game about engineering, construction, exploration, and survival in space and on planets. To find out more about Space Engineers or its new DLC, Warfare 2, go to designthinkinggames.com slash spaceengineers, or just go to our website and click on the banner. 
as listeners who've, you know, tuned into the last season of the podcast, know you challenged me last year because Mass Effect Legendary Edition came out. Three epic games, very sci-fi narrative-based, amazing games. And you kind of given me gave me the season to complete it. All three, which I did. And then in hindsight, it almost doesn't seem fair because like the potentially like I gave you like a like a, a one hundred hour assignment. That's <laughs> like oh man, like in oh, hindsight, that's yeah. a lot of game to punish, like to like pummel through, right? Even on even on the story modes, like I was so like a, like when you're like oh man, I did it, and I was like oh shit, really? <laughs> like I almost didn't expect it. Yeah, but I also put it in story mode and oh, yeah, super yeah. easy combat and so like every boss encounter was just like okay this is light and i do that with a lot of games that's not the game has to be rare for me not to do something like that yeah. but like even like horizon or zero dawn or for um forbidden west um i put those on easy as well because it's like man i'm just here to have fun i'm not really yeah. looking yeah. to to have have grueling combat but Having said that, there is a phenomenal, phenomenal roguelike hybrid game that I love. I just got exposed to in the last couple of years. And I don't know if you've heard of it. And that's the one that I want to slap you with the gauntlet across the face for you to try. And the game is called Moonlighter. Have you ever heard of Moonlighter? Moonlighter is an action RPG with roguelite. So I'm assuming elements. you're Googling so it and you haven't. Uh, <laughs> and you I haven't just heard pulled of it, it up on Steam. No, I've never heard of this. Okay, so my plug, which is not going to spoil anything for you, yeah. but by the end of this season, and probably not, it won't take the whole season, but by the end of this season, that is the game that I want you to beat. Um, I think the player experience is phenomenal on it. It's roguelike. Um, but to give you a, a hint that doesn't like spoil anything, you are by day a person who runs a shop in like a rundown town. Yeah. And at night, you go into dungeons, like literally Legend of Zelda 1 style. And harvest parts of monsters and treasures and equipment and artifacts and whatever and then you put that in your shop to sell oh that's crazy and so it has this whole economics principle to it combined with roguelike but then also there's a third piece that i would say too which is kind of a community or social um development piece to it so as you are in this abandoned town and you've been kind of given this you've inherited this rundown store you are the crazy shopkeeper who goes into the dungeons to fight monsters and get treasure so you can sell things in town how you sell things is very much by the laws of econ economics like supply and demand what people need and what people are looking for and there are certain things that you can charge crazy price for but if you but if you actually sell too much of the same project product, you are going to run your own price down. But the other side of that twofold is the social kind of economics piece um, and um, social good piece, which is 
you are slowly revitalizing this town with your shop and your business by reinvesting into the town. And what you find out through the dungeons and through the games to find out really what really, really is going on will blow your mind. So is there is there like a real there's like a store like a uh, an encapsulating story to this? Oh, yeah, there is a whole thing like what you find out. Um, so I don't want to ruin anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, 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 I'll stop. Yeah. But there is definitely a story about you and your shop and you've inherited it. And, you know, you're in a town that has like near caves or mines that have like monsters and treasures and so people adventurers do try to go into this mine to like find its treasures and survive but you are doing that as a shopkeeper to sell to make profit but then you're also using that money to reinvest into your town to grow your town Um, (laughs) it is amazing it is so fulfilling and it is fun and it is a not punishing roguelike game because two things one there are things that you can do outside of the game that help you so every time you kind of delve into the dungeons so to speak um you can kind of put on a better weapon or a better armor you can better equip yourself right but then the fact that there's a whole e-commerce like or commerce not e-commerce but a commerce side of it (laughs) in the game where you're selling and pricing and supply and demand but then you're also revitalizing the town i mean that's that is what really made me enjoy it. Like, very phenomenal game. I highly suggest it. If you've never played Moonlighter, um, please do so. And that is the challenge that I give you, Mike, for this season two of Design Thinking Games. Beat Moonlighter. And we'll Beat talk it. about it. Uh, like, let me, let, let's make a prediction here. I. Okay. So I just bought it and I'm downloading it now. Um, I, oh my god! Already, yeah. all in, all I, in. <laughs> like I, I, I'm in it. I got the extended edition, which was only like a, like four dollars more. So so cool. And when I look at Moonlighter, I feel a sense of dread. <laughs> like like like. Yeah. So I don't hard, know. Um, yeah. Oh, no, no. I will tell you, like, I know hard. I mean, I know Dead by Daylight. I know Cuphead. I know yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know Dark Souls and and Sekiro. And um, I am not, like, brutal punishing for brutal punishing sake if there's no chance of progress. Um, I will say that this game, Moonlighter, is not difficult. You can definitely beat it. It's super fun. And there's so many different parts of the game that are enjoyable. This is definitely a genre that I don't play a lot of. And so what I'm going to try to do is like in subsequent episodes, maybe we'll have the Moonlighter moment um, and I can, I can Moonlighter update. Yeah. Like where, like where I am and how it's and how it's going. I'm really excited to kind of like experience this a little bit more because like I said, like my my experience with roguelike is really more like in the um, um, the, the games that stress the permadeath like you know that's what they're really like paying attention to if i can do all three mass effects dude you can do moonlighter (laughs) you can do moonlighter (laughs) and i think i i highly suspect that it will tickle the product designer in you yeah it'll harken back to some old school gaming and it's really beautifully like if you are a fan of pixel art like it's a beautifully rendered pixel art so 
Um, I will be surprised if you just rage quit it. So, um, so I am comfortable in what you know we've talked about in previous episodes and seasons about what totally you are against in gaming, <laughs> and I think you will be fine with awesome. this. All right. Well, I think that is our cue. So next episode, should you all choose to join us, please do. Um, we will talk about something and see how uh, my adventure with Moonlighter is going. Will I be howling? Perhaps. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> um, um, oh my if, God. <laughs> if, if Design Thinking Games is your cup of tea, please consider supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com slash designthinkinggames where you can get episodes just like this a whole week early without ads. Of course, if you like our ad reads, we put a lot of work into making good ad reads. Um, just be sure you subscribe on your podcatcher of choice, Spotify, Apple, Google Play, Overcast, your cup of tea. But wherever it is, be sure you um, star, heart, or favorite it as you can. And if you could be so kind as to leave us a nice review, that will help shine the, uh, the, the algorithm favorably upon us. We release frequently. We're on social media sometimes. And uh, recently we've been like posting a little bit to TikTok. Here I am, just a delightful, delightful old shopkeep, la-di-da-di-da, behind the desk uh, with wooden floors, a little uh, patina of dust. Um, I've just turned the close sign as the last customer walked out. It goes ding, ding, ding as the door closes. What the fuck is happening here on Design Thinking Games? I'm not sure. Um, and then I, I gaze out, uh, thankfully, um, at the passersby in town, grateful to be here, but then the clouds part, and what is it that I see? A full moon! Thank you for listening to the Design Thinking Games podcast. You only have so much time, and it means a lot you shared it with us. To connect with your hosts, Michael or Tim, visit Design Thinking Games on TikTok, Twitch, and Twitter. DMs are open. You can also check out designthinkinggames.com where you can request topics, ask questions, or see what else is going on. Until next time, game on.